For the Peterson Automotive Museum, this is Car Stories. My name is AJ. I'd like to thank everybody who has been subscribing and giving us positive reviews on iTunes. Uh, I ask you keep uh, hit subscribe and keep hitting uh, you know five stars and giving us a good review and send it to a friend to do the same. Today we are joined by Amber Blonigan, who is the owner of GI Motorsports. It is a local repair, tuning, um, performance shop here, maintenance shop. Uh, for exotic cars here in Los Angeles, and uh, very cool. She does very, very neat stuff, and she's very into the automotive world. So I got <laughs> a million questions, and you have a, a pretty interesting story. So thank you so much for coming in. Of course, it's my You're pleasure. You want to just yeah, come on, come, come a little on. closer to yeah. this. Here we go. There we go. Can hear me yeah. now. We can hear you perfectly. <laughs> uh, Amber, you you have a ton of neat stuff that I'm looking forward to talking to you about. But we'll start sort of in the very beginning. With what is your earliest automotive memory? Oh, wow. My earliest automotive memory. Um, well, my own memory, like my own experience was, you know, I started driving when I was probably about 10 years old. Sure. Um, my mom had a night job, so she didn't like to get up in the morning and drive me to school. So I would just drive myself to school. Um, kind of as I got older, I, I got more into cars and really kind of wrecked a lot of cars to get to the place where I decided I wanted to have a, my own repair shop. It just seemed very like, uh, what's the word? Natural. Yeah. It, it there was another word I was looking for. for uh, where did you grow up that you're driving yourself to school? At <laughs> I grew up in Minnesota. Okay. So, so not quite as busy as yeah, no, it's, it's not like driving yourself to school at 10 in LA. That would be pretty crazy. What? There's like maybe one car you might pass on the road. <laughs> Is it hard to be into cars growing up in Minnesota with the snow? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really into cars themselves. It was just the the idea of the like transportation. the transportation and just being able to drive them fast. I mean, I didn't really know the difference between anything. It was just like, oh, I can go really fast. This is fun. Well, when when did it sort of the love of cars and maybe maybe there isn't one maybe it's the the business side enjoy, yeah. but but when did your interest in cars peak well it started when i came to la because it was like all of a sudden going fast had a whole new meeting i mean you get in a bmw or a mercedes or a lamborghini or you know as time progressed obviously i didn't start by being able to drive lamborghinis or ferraris or those yeah. kind i worked took a lot of years to get there but um yeah it was just going fast took on a whole new meeting so when i came to la and saw all the cars and all the things i just slowly started to become interested in it and um, when was that that was in 1998 okay. so i was working at a brokerage firm and you know we were all doing really well it was kind of back in the day when people still made a lot of money being brokers back when you could do work. <clears throat> yeah it's a little more challenging now i think i've been out of that business obviously for some time but um yeah, I was kind of introduced to cars and suddenly like clothes and shopping and all those other things that the girls like to go do were sure. like completely irrelevant to me. I was like, no, what are we going to do to this car? You know, so. not a lot of high end fashion in Minnesota. No, but this is, you know, you had Mall of America, though. That's yeah. So I think it has like a roller coaster. You would think there would it, be a couple high end stores yeah. you could go to. <laughs> I don't know. There might be now, but I think the biggest was probably like. I don't know, maybe Express at the time. Sure, 
So what I find most interesting about you is you had a successful job. And, you know, we talk to so many people here who they go, ever since I was a kid, I had Hot Wheels cars and, you know, my dad was into cars, his dad was into cars. And they go to work straight into something automotive related. You you didn't. You went into finance or you went into yeah. stock. Um, so what, how do you, how does someone go from, and kind of give us give us the long version because I, I bet it's interesting. Go from a broker to a mechanic. Well, like I said, I mean, during this time, you know, everybody, all the guys were kind of out buying like the best cars they could buy, and the girls were out shopping. And I kind of just, you know, was more interested in the car part of it. So I started, you know, the first car I bought I think was the uh, BMW Seven Series, and then I got an M3. And then I got a Mercedes and it was like, okay, you know, we'd kind of like, I'd sit around with the guys at my firm and go like, what are we going to do with our car next? Like what wheels are we going to buy? And what, you know, so it was a kind of a constant one upsmanship kind of. Yeah. yeah. And I got more caught up in that than, you know, going shopping with the girls. <laughs> exactly. That came later. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was going to a lot of the local shops at the time and, just not having great experiences and you know a lot of the people that I was working with at the time kind of had the same thing it's like you get really excited to do something to your car and then you bring it to a shop and it's like one thing after another after another and it's you know the the delivery isn't on time the price goes up you know this that you get it things fall apart so you know I started to kind of see a need in in that area and I thought well you know maybe I could open my own shop and I talked about it for a long time. A lot of people laughed at me. They were like, yeah, no. You know, like, it's just... It, what f- it's funny about it is we, we talk about this a lot, whereas I don't know how people like you make money. And, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean that is I don't have the mind for it. Um, I can't look at someone who does, um, you know, SEMA cars each year, you know, restoration shops and fabricators, and they're able to turn a profit building one or two cars a year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think, who are good at the repair part and the mechanical part uh, and the design and fabricating almost always are not great businessmen. So you see a yeah. lot of companies come and go very quickly. Um, you guys have been around over a decade, 11 years. Yeah. Um, so was it sort of your your education in business that that helped? Yeah, I mean, I think that laid the groundwork. I mean, I think first and foremost, I'm a business person more than I'm a creative person. You know, I, I have, I hire creative people. Sure. Who, you know? um, and I think a lot of the aftermarket companies now have taken on that position in, you know, shops like ours. They're, they're doing all the creating and providing us with these beautiful, you know, brochures and things so that we can sell it to our client. Um, there is, you know, obviously a certain amount of like customization things that aren't already built that we do, but not a whole lot of it. So it doesn't really entail that I myself have to be creative. So I'm more of a business person than anything. Yeah. Um, I just saw a need in a particular industry and I thought I could fill it. Um, just, and that need was simply just to make it a little easier and, and easy flowing to kind of get these things done, whether it's just a simple repair, you know, maintenance type situation, or you want to do a customization of your car. And how long was it between the idea and opening the shop? Well, you know, I, I 
talked about it probably for, you know, a year or two. And everybody kind of laughed at me. Like I said, they didn't take me very seriously. And I wasn't totally serious about it. But then, you know, it got to a point where I met a couple people just going to shops. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of on board. They're like, yeah, that's that's a great idea. Let's do this. Um, so, you know, I just went out one day, started driving around, found a space. Again, that person didn't take me very seriously. I walked into a car shop. To me, you know, it looked a little run down, dumpy. It looked like the yeah. whoever owned it probably wasn't doing much business. So I went and I said, like, how much is the rent here? Are you willing to rent it? Are you the owner? Do you want to sublease it? What What's the deal? And he kind of laughed at me and said, yeah, okay, whatever. And literally, like, shooed me away. I left my card, walked out, and he called me a couple weeks later. He's like, are you serious? Like, who is it for? Is it for your husband or your dad? Yeah. Or, like, are you shopping you know? for your boyfriend? Yeah, are you the broker? Like, what's going on here? I said, no, I want to shop. So just tell me what the number is, and, and let's just move forward. And literally, you know, within a couple of days. You started your company? I was polishing floors. <laughs> and how was it in the start? Was it rocky? Was there a big... No learning curve. Oh yeah, definitely huge learning curve. But um, no, in the beginning, luckily, I mean, it was the economy was great at the time, um, and people were spending a lot of money, and it was a lot different than it is today. Mm -hmm. uh, doing business wasn't as challenging. I mean, it was kind of, you know, the internet was becoming big, and you know, if you kind of got in at the ground floor and and got your company listed on some websites and things like that you were able to get picked up by Google and yeah. different search engines fairly easily. Um, now there's like this whole like oh. SEO mystery yeah. and like all these things. That like, exactly. Now it's just a completely different thing. But back then, you know, I was able to just throw my listing on a couple websites and, and it was actually really great. I mean, within a very, f just a few months, you know, I was making a great income. And are you... Did you, uh, I don't want to ask this as a stupid question, but did you have to learn mechanics at all? Do, do you, did you have to t learn how to wrench on cars at all? Or I, were you strictly to the business yeah. side? <laughs> well, obviously I did the business side. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, over the years, I, I, you know, I, listen, I've spent over a decade in a car shop. I've learned a lot. Yeah. yeah I mean, if, if you too. don't learn something, you're in trouble. Um, but yeah, I, I was, you know, initially, I was actually very interested in, in learning how to do it. So I, I learned a lot of the basic functions. Mm -hmm. um, I obviously wasn't trained, you know, properly trained. So I lost a lot of fundamentals. But over the years, it all kind of came full circle. And, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of cars and how they work and things like that. And get into a little bit of what GI Motorsports is, because it's, it's pretty neat, because it's, you guys cater, well, I don't know, cater, but you specialize in high-end and exotic stuff. But yeah. you do most of the stuff that any repair shop would do. You know, yeah. I don't know, you know, any repair shop that would work on your Honda or your Accord, uh, you know, or your Focus or Civic, you guys do it for McLarens and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. So kind of get into yeah. what you guys do. Well, I mean, the idea behind the company was that to make it as convenient as possible for the client. I mean, because that was really my issue, was that it was like every time I want to get something done to my car, it was really inconvenient, and it was a nightmare. Um, so that's why we kind of offer all the services, you know, whether we do it on site or, you know, the body work. Obviously, I don't do in-house, but I'll handle that for the clients if that's what they want, so they don't have to, like, be dealing with, 
you know, a bunch of different people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, primarily we do service and maintenance, you know, brake jobs, services, things like that on all European cars, the German, the Italian, the British, all of them. Um, and then we can do, because, you know, a lot of that is, especially when you get into the heavy mechanical engine rebuilds, things like that, it's really, it's, that's like the toughest part of doing anything yeah. uh, to a car. So I kind of figured, well, if my guys can handle that, then all this other stuff is very easy, you know, whether it's wrapping or, you know, throwing on a body kit or doing, you know, different Wheels, things. Like, yeah, tank. I mean, that's like nothing compared to the core of what we do. So that's why I started just adding, you know, a full menu of services. And how has it changed in a decade? Because I imagine, like you said, with the the brokers and sort of pre-2008, uh, might have been like the salad days because you're yeah. sort of in that sweet spot of the economy's great, but supercars aren't so great. Yeah. Uh, they're breaking down a lot. They're very high maintenance and temperamental cars. And then yeah. you sort of go through this economy crash and now supercars are great. I mean, you, yeah. you can drive cross country in, you know, million dollar exotic cars. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah, for in the theory, most part. In theory. <laughs> Look, if they were all perfect, you'd be out of yeah. business. But no, I mean, there's all the rallies and stuff like that, and the cars make it. They yeah. they do well. So, yeah, I mean, like Lamborghini, they, they're they using a lot of Audi parts. They're using, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these cars ha or companies have partnered up with other companies that are making a lot more durable parts so that these cars can last mm -hmm. and be more daily drivers than anything. Um but yeah, I mean the you know the transition of the economy definitely changed a lot. Honestly, early on when the economy started to go down, like in the two thousand eight area, yeah, um, we actually went up because a lot of the people who would sell their car, you know, every year, every other year, they'd get a new car. They were like, oh well, we're going to hang on to this car. Let's oh, just so they you know yeah instead of buying a new McLaren, it's let's just. Paid to have it serviced. Exactly. Actually, pretty smart. Yeah. So we actually did really well for the in the beginning of that because everybody was just trying to maintain their car to keep it in good shape so yeah. that they wouldn't have to deal with the major breakdowns because they weren't buying new cars at that point. And now, why do people, or sort of, what is the benefit of going to you to, versus if I just take it back to a Lamborghini dealership or a Ferrari dealer? Well, if you're not under a warranty, then it's going to cost you a lot less. Okay. I mean to begin with, and you're going to get the same level of service. I mean, I have the same diagnostic computers. I can program all the modules. You know, I can do all the same functions. And I have, I mean, I have factory trained guys that work with me. So I have a Lamborghini technician who worked at Lamborghini for seven years. And he's with me. I have somebody who's worked at BMW and Mercedes. And so it's, it's kind of the same level, but you don't have to pay quite the same amount. And there's a lot of people who just don't want to go to dealers anymore, and so I'm a really good alternative for those people. And you, you seem to be so dialed into the automotive community, in, especially in Los Angeles, um, which is a very... Um, I don't want to colorful? Say, <laughs> colorful, uh, ostentatious. Yeah. Um, it... it I think it's back to, and I'm sort of someone who, as an outsider who looks in, but really studies it because it, it fascinates me, this trend of customization. Yeah. Uh, how have you sort of seen the, I guess, the automotive horizon of Beverly Hills and L.A. change in your time? Yeah. I mean, dramatically, 
a decade ago, people weren't wrapping their cars. They weren't doing all these things. But this stuff wasn't as uh, as easily available either. Yeah. I mean, now if you want to just add your little like individual touch on your car, it's very easy. Yeah. And you can do it for a few hundred dollars just to make your car a little bit different than the next person's car. And if you really want to go big, like you can go as far as you want to go. But I think it's just really about people wanting to put their personal touch on their car. You know, it's you've got your clothes, you've got your shoes, your bags, everything. You know, your car should kind of match you. It should reflect your personality, especially in L.A. That's such yeah, a car-driven. I, I, I think this part of the world, you know, if, if someone's living back in Minnesota, they're going to say, but you have a Lamborghini. How, how do yeah. you, what do you mean you have to stand But you out? have a Lamborghini in a city where, like, a lot of other people have Lamborghinis. Are, you know? <laughs> I would probably say there's more Bugattis than Buicks in this town. Um, <laughs> I, there, there's a lot of high-end cars, and it's not rare to see them. So this trend uh, is so in vogue right now to take your car um, and wrap it in not only just a very pretty color, and not always a very pretty color. A but, lot of pretty so, colors. <laughs> but the sort of biggest and brightest and then people yeah. have like their own liveries and their schemes and their yeah. and their names and they come you know it's like their cars become their mascot it, it, did you ever fathom this coming and is it is this a trend that you guys sort of take advantage of because you said you do raps yeah are you wondering what's next and how do i get in front of it or how do i maybe be the trendsetter yeah <laughs> well yeah that's always the idea i mean it's still I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of it too, to be honest with you. Like, so, I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy. And, and some of the people go, you know, to extremes with their yes. car. What is um, some of the most extreme customizations you've seen? I, you know, I don't, I mean, extreme customizations, I, there's all kinds of them. I mean, there's the Liberty Walk kits. There's, you know, there's Debbie with a Bat Ventador, like, she, you know, keeps it with the, the wraps and the stickers and yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, she's always doing a different theme and a different thing. So it's, it's the, people go, go crazy, but it's awesome. I mean, it really, it really allows people to like share their personality, you know, yes. on the road as with as everybody. As the personality is. With everybody. It, but, it's crazy, it, but in, in a good way. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, you know, and a lot of people have their opinions about it and me or whatever somebody else is doing. And the way I look at it, if you're not hurting anybody, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's your own. Like people will like get seriously mad. They'll be like, why is that person doing that to their car? And why do they need to do that? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, what does it matter? Like, are they hurting you? (laughs) Well, our our curator said, and it it really rang true. and And I think this kind of stuff really exemplifies it is in New York, it's your overcoat. Yeah. You wear the most expensive overcoat you can, you can afford. And it very much says, this is my personality. This is who I am. Yeah. In LA, we don't have weather um, and we drive everywhere. So it's your car. Yeah. You know, everyone, for the most part, you, you sort of get what's the most expensive car in your, you're the nicest car in your means. Maybe a little bit out of your means. Uh, often, uh, Often yes. out of your means. And then how can you, you know, if I drive an M5 and then the guy next to me is in an M5, how do I tell the world, hey, I'm different from this guy? So, yeah. you know, the wheels, the tents, the, yeah. the wrapping, as silly as it is, I totally get it. And, and yeah. I, I sort of 
don't think it's any different than hot rodding back in you know in the 40s and 50s yeah no absolutely it's just (laughs) you wonder you gotta wonder what what is next yeah i just kind of going with the flow right now i I don't know what's next to be honest with you you know it it's hard to imagine yeah so what are you personally into what what is in your collection what do you enjoy about cars um you know it's kind of bad like for me at this point i just cars are transportation you know i i for me i don't really care at this point what i'm in you know it's kind of like i'll go from riding the bus to driving in a ferrari to taking an uber to when's the last time you you rode the bus I, a couple weeks ago. Okay. I actually like it. Okay. I lived in New York when I was young, too. Okay, so, so that might be it. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Uh, whatever. I grew up out here. I don't understand what, what a bus is. So. Yeah, I know. People in L.A. are not very bus-friendly. But um, whatever the closest transportation is, like, I'll get on it. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, I it's hard to enjoy, fully enjoy cars in L.A. Because, you know, you spend so much time stuck in traffic. So I complain about this all the time, and uh, I think there's bigger stuff to complain about is why no one sympathizes with me. But I, every now and then we get a fast car here on loan uh, that is, you know, to use for the weekend or a week. And and my biggest complaint is where are we going to go enjoy it? Yeah, you know, we're in bumper to bumper traffic here, and they're so fast now and so powerful that you're at 100 miles an hour in a handful of seconds, and it's. Yeah. There's nowhere to really, yeah. you got to get pretty far out of the city. But yeah. at the same time, do, don't you also sort of feel like you're jaded because you've sort of, probably you're, you're seeing it every day. You know, like I will have those moments when I do get to get out of LA and I do get to actually drive and I get to really hit the pedal and there's nobody around and it's a safe situation. Then I remember, I'm like, this is what I love about cars. Yeah. You have like those moments where you're like, okay. Like, there will never be a bigger smile on my face than if I'm going, like, over 150 miles an hour or 200 miles an hour. Like, I'm really happy then. Sure. <laughs> but you don't get to do it very often, so. And do you do the, do you race and do the standing miles and the rallies and all the sort of events that come with the culture? Yeah, uh, we do track days. We do, you know, I've done Gold Rush Rally and the Target Trophies and a lot of the different other ones and a lot of meets and car drives and things like that so yeah i really enjoy all of that i mean it's it's great i've developed a lot of friendships in the automotive community and it's just nice everybody gets to come together and you know talk about things they enjoy do things they enjoy and it's usually it's all centered around the cars so yeah it's it's a really nice thing and you know i think that too that that didn't really exist as much. I mean, there was always the car groups, and I think that you guys, you know, this museum was probably involved in, like, the Ferrari clubs and mm-hmm. the Porsche clubs and stuff like that over the years. But I think it's just become a, such a, you know, monster now. I mean, there's so many different there's, clubs and groups. There's and, never a shortage of something to do on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. The only drawback is always, like, 7 in the morning. But... <laughs> That that is uh, there's there's no I've never cursed the skies more than when I've committed to go to a cars and coffee in Irvine the yeah. Saturday or the Friday night before and going I got to be up at what time like, we got to be up at four five four oh, yeah. five yeah if you get there at six thirty people are leaving like it is yeah. it is the hardest part about 
about the car shows out here is just there's so much to do. But it's, I mean, it's really the only time you can do it and not have to deal with traffic. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a, a Japanese, well, by the time you hear this, it would have already been over, but we had a Japanese car show on Sunday. Um, and it just happens to be the Saturday, the night before, the day before, there's another big Japanese car show. So it's, yeah. you know, there's there's so much going on that you can't even compete with it. You just got to kind of hope for the best and hope people show up. And, and yeah. you know, the, the winners are people like you that get to sort of go and enjoy uh, yeah. whatever it is they want. Do you, when you, how has it sort of been being a figurehead in the automotive world and still being a woman? <laughs> that question always comes back. Well, it, you know, <laughs> no, I, no, I know, because it, it's 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 kind of like the elephant in the room. Like I'm a female in the car industry. It's not it's it's not avoidable. Well, I've, you know? I've had Jesse Combs on this show, mm-hmm. who's uh, a wonderful fabricator and TV host, who's a woman, and I've had Jesse Lang and and other notable women in the automotive world. I'm always sort of wondering because it is such a male driven yeah. society, uh, yeah. or. or male-driven demographic mm-hmm. um and you're not ugly as you probably have been told a couple of times thank in your you life. um but you don't fit the part of a proprietor or uh you know someone who works or is around cars so yeah. does it throw people off does it do you get do people try to There's, overcompensate with respect? Do you not get respect? It, I mean, it's all over the map. It really, it's it definitely throws people off. And, you know, I have people that over the years, they come into the shop and many times assume that I'm the receptionist or sure. <laughs> the secretary and ask, can we speak to somebody else? I'm like, I can help you. And they're like, well, no, we want to speak to that person. Yeah. Like, they'll just gravitate gravitate towards a man and I'm like okay we'll just do it you know earlier on I used to get really upset about it and uh, then I just kind of learned to accept it like at this point I don't really care about that I mean if people are more comfortable speaking to a male about their car that's fine I've got plenty of them around so they can speak to a male um but yeah I mean it's definitely you know it's it's been challenging in certain ways for sure um, I try not to look at the difference, you know, male versus female. Everybody has their challenges. Mine happen to be mine, and somebody else's got their own. So, I mean, um, I really try not to look at the differences, and I try to look at the similarities and things, and I think that's what's made it, you know, easier for me. Um, you know, for sure there's been some situations that have not been pleasant mm-hmm. because I'm a female, I think. Um, people approaching me in certain ways, but it's, you know, they learn very quickly. <laughs> well, just dealing with how inappropriate we can all be at times, yeah. uh, I think is probably for the best. And I only ask you that because you, yeah. you, you don't act like for a good or a bad way that you're here representing women in the automotive world. You act like the, yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I'm, you know, an, an attractive woman, but at the same time, I'm just here to work. I'm just here to drive. I'm just yeah. here to hang around with cool cars. You you don't you're not you don't seem like you're making yourself a spokesperson for it. You don't seem like you're trying to play it down. Yeah. You seem like just this is who I am. Well, you know, I think really again, it's not male versus female. I think what I would like to kind of my whole thing is what I would like to communicate to people is you know, yes, me being in the automotive industry is very different. Um, but whatever it is that people want to do, whether you're a male or a female or you, whatever it is, 
if you want to do something that's a little like a fish out of water type situation or, you know, you don't particularly fit in, do it. Like yeah. that's what I'm trying to, you know, hopefully motivate people to do. Like try that thing. If there's that thing out there in the world, whatever it is that you were afraid to do or you didn't think you'd fit in or you didn't think it would be the right situation for you, just do it. Try it, you know? Yeah. And don't don't look for the reasons not to. Don't look for the reasons why you don't fit in or why it's not for you. Just do it. Like, it's, that's kind of my thing, you know. I really, I, 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 I want to be able to, you know, make women feel empowered to do things that they wouldn't normally do. But it's just really, I, I want to make everybody feel like that. I, I love people to look at me and I get letters from, you know, people all the time who are like, oh my gosh, you know, we see you doing this and it makes us, you know, motivates us to want to do something that we always did we didn't think we could. And that's what it's about. That's uh, great to hear. It. So, if you, if you are one of our tens of thousands of listeners with a uh, hundred thousand dollar exotic and in the Los Angeles area, um, bring check it to out. me. <laughs> or I'm sure you know, I'm sure you probably deal with people all over the country at this point, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we deal with uh, people. But... Check out gimotorsportsla.com. Uh, you could just Google, you know, the letters G and I, and then motorsports, and you'll see all the services you guys offer, and look for some colorfully wrapped cars and yeah there's a good chance uh amber and her people did the wraps on that yeah. uh thank you so much for stopping by thank you for having me mm-hmm.